Jack O'Connor said, don't ever read a paper. You're kind of thinking, why did he say that? Or what did he mean by that? Or does he rate him higher than me? It opens up something that you do not want opened. You the only have to thing Intercounty players should be looking at or listening to is the football podcast. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 69 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? Uh, needless to say, um, you're smiling anyway. Um, we're beaten. We'll, st- we'll talk about Tottenham Liverpool first. I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> that was probably the nail in the coffin of the weekend for you, but uh, a tough trip to Scotland, and uh, I'm sure it's very, very disappointing and disheartening. Yeah, hugely. I think it's been uh, a weird kind of uh, 48 hours since come home. I think you're just trying to decompress and and kind of try and think about where things you know could have been better and where they went wrong and um, you know so much of that game we were in it we were controlling territory possession we just lacked that killer instinct and that little killer pass so um, look hugely disappointing I think for those players especially they worked incredibly hard um, and they're such a lovely group and a very good group to be around so Back to the drawing board, we've a lot of work to do, I think, in terms of trying to develop um, this group more and um, and get better. But, uh, yeah, look, I think, said it already, but a very draining uh, eight weeks and uh, on so many facets and um, trying to find the positives in it is uh, a little bit difficult. And well, how difficult it was for the, the players after the game? Because, as you said, um, for a large part of that game, you were unbelievably competitive, playing really well, and Scotland just changed gears in the end and and, and pulled away and and showed their their quality. Um, what was the needless to say? I think the mood was one of utter disappointment, but probably on reflection, coming home, traveling home, all that stuff. What were what was the feeling amongst the players? Yeah, look, there were, I think, utter devastation straight away after the game. We knew that if we'd gone in and got a bonus point win. Uh, we would have, um, you know, got into the playoff for Global XV. So for any reason, know there's a new competition, world competition starting in in the autumn, Global XV, and it's tiers two, one, two, and three. And um, the tier one is for the top three teams in the Six Nations, um, and that's um, no relegation or promotion for two years. So you know, obviously, you're playing against the best teams in the world there. So way more competitive. We're clearly not at, at that stage at the moment. So uh, once we lost to Italy, I think that was out of out of the question. So we're kind of we're hoping to get into tier two, um, and uh, and that would have allowed us to have probably more competitive games around our level, um, and also an opportunity to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, in two years' time, so uh, we haven't achieved that. We probably, um, you know, going into tier three is probably a reflection of where we are as a group. I think as where where, where Irish rugby is, um, and we're starting at bottom now, so it gives us an opportunity to probably focus on ourselves as opposed to trying to, you know, compete um, with teams that are probably just a little bit better than us at the moment, and. Um, that's probably where the truth is. Um, but there is prom- promotion and relegation from tier three to tier two over the first year. So, you know, we've got to focus our goals now to not only getting better individually and as a collective, but also trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. Does that give you a pathway to quali- try and qualify for the Rugby World Cup then um, by 
yeah, so it'll be the following year we'll be in tier two and that would allow us then to um, to try and compete for there and there's there's spots within tier two to qualify for that World Cup. So there's a, it's a new, it's a new thing and it's a new pathway for, for and more competitive games for, for women's rugby, which is great. I just think that um, we've got to quickly shift our mindset now to review the Six Nations. We've got to be very honest in our appraisal. We've got to be very honest in terms of us as coaches, as the playing group, individuals, collective, we've got to think about the training and, and how we compete. I think the big thing for me over the Six Nations is how quick the game has gone. We've not jumped to that level. Um, and uh, and the ability to be able to um, probably, you know, the, the understanding of the game is, is huge now. Transi- transitions are huge. That was you know, if you kick the ball or, you know, turn the ball over, the ability for teams to punish that, we just weren't at, at that level. Um, and I think that's ultimately where we fell down. Of course, that piece at times and you're talking about your defensive policies and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was our ability or our inability maybe to to see space and attack it um, quickly. I think that kind of was, um, you know, a disappointing aspect for us. Do, do you think the other teams have gotten better? Um, because just for yeah. example, the team that you're coaching now at the moment, this current Irish team, would they have done better a couple of years ago? Has or or have all the other teams improved, got physically better, technically better? Yeah, I think all the other teams have improved hugely. I think they're all in full time programs a year before us. I think they've all been to the World Cup, and they're already you know they, all of them kept with the same management by France. Or actually, no. France changed the management a couple of weeks before the the World Cup, so they all have this kind of continuity of 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 understanding. Um, they've you know got a lot of cohesion, which we've lacked, um, and um, and they all had experience. Kind of lacked a lot of that. Even when you look at the likes of say Nicola Friday as captain, she still doesn't have a huge amount of experience in terms of international rugby. You know, we speak about getting the first cap is huge but really when do you feel comfortable playing on the international stage you're talking maybe 20-30 caps in where you've got understanding of that pace and that intensity that decision making um, and we only have one or two players in that bracket and um, so yeah look I think you know we don't like to look I certainly don't like to look back I think we've got to start looking forward and this now is a you know we're at the bottom level and it's it's a good basis for us to try and start to rebuild and um, rebuild with continuity and um, and this group, when you look at the likes of, you know, that back line, especially you're talking about, you know, you're 10, you're 13, you're 12, you're back three, bar maybe Lauren and Aoife, they're all under 20 or 21. So um, they're all incredibly young, but that's the situation we find ourselves in, it's, you know, due to lots of issues over the last 10 years as opposed to over the last two. And since that review and that report came out, there's been a lot of change within the RFU and pathways that are in place. It's just unfortunately, it's just going to take time. And we're expecting these players to learn on the international stage, which is a very tough place to be. News is coming out this morning is that Greg, Greg McWilliams uh, might be exiting his role as head coach. Um, speaking to you before the podcast here, I'm not going to kind of put you on the spot and ask you for opinion. Um, you're only hearing the same stuff as well is what you told me. Um, what what would your take be on that? Just just hearing it from me beforehand, and obviously seeing some of the reports online. 
yeah, so I've not really been online uh, for the last few weeks. Um, so I, I'm missing a lot of that that, that stuff. I, I haven't heard, we've not heard anything official. Um, and yeah, look, I'd be incredibly gutted. You know, Greg brought me into this this setup and stuff. So um, I'm hoping that is, um, you know, we can get better as a coaching group and keep learning and developing. But um, I'm sure we'll see what, what unfolds over the next few weeks and days. We've got a review uh, to do um, as a coaching group and then as a playing group and, and making sure that we're we're getting better. I think that, um, you know, that's probably the biggest focus point now. You know, I've been working the last couple of days, so I'm just getting back into the swing of normal life again. And, and, and the, the harsh, um, the harsh, so, yeah, harsh, harsh reality of this, Neve, is, you know, some people are forgetting that you know, well, you can blame the RFU, but the reality is, and I think this is probably the positive of, of looking at the situation, if there is any positives, obviously the results are incredibly disappointing, but this, t- this team and these players can only get better when they're in a full-time environment, when they're training um, at a better level, when they're, you know, preparing better and they have the opportunities to, you know, to to dedicate more time to the game. Um, that can only be better. I think there's an, been an online toxic, horrible environment around the team. And I've said this last week. I think there's a lot of people um, have been devoid of any fair or balanced approach to this and they're trying to make a name for themselves. And that's sad to see. And I think if Greg McWilliams does go and is replaced or steps down. We again, it's it's um, we don't know that there hasn't been any official statement. Um, it's going to be a tough job for somebody to take over. Um, but look, that's the world we live in now with the the online stuff where people who don't know a lot of facts um, are trying to make a name for themselves. And I know some people who are maybe negative online uh, do know facts and they 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 mean well. But there's been a you know, a bit of a pile on here about, you know, the, and it's been pretty toxic, really, and it's unfair. Um, Ireland won wooden spoons in the 90s, the 80s, and, you know, when we went professional in, in 96, 97, it took us a long time, and it'll take the girls a bit of time to get up to speed to be being a professional athlete, to get stronger, more powerful, um, to understand nutrition, strength and conditioning, all that kind of stuff as well. So, um it's going to take a little bit of time and and hopefully that can start to happen. And then obviously it's down to quality of player you have. If you don't have the players, it's even more difficult. But um, from what you were saying, there's a lot of good young players here who can become good professional athletes and uh, hopefully they will. So look, tough couple of weeks. Um, you've had to keep smiling and that's life. Um, it's been very disappointing and that's the hard part of being a coach, I think. So, um, right, we'll move on. We've got a... Yeah. Okay. You want to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, I think it's it's all well and good, I think, in terms of, of where we are and, and speaking about that now. But if we don't learn as a group, then this will be this pain and this this hurt, I suppose, will have been for, for, for nothing. I think we've got to make sure that this really is our baseline and our rock bottom and what we're doing going forward makes us better in every facet. And I think that's an onus on us as a staff and coaching group and um, our S&C and, and all of that. And, and the players too, you know, we've got to make sure that, you know, we're all accountable in some sort of way. But he, as I said, I maintain it too, that if we don't use this as a very big and, and honest learning curve, then 
realistically, we're never going to be better and continue to to keep striving forward. And I think that's probably the most important thing. We've got to not set it aside or draw a line under. We've got to be very critical in terms of our appraisal and our review um, of each other and um, of 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 everything about it so that we can, you know, and it, it's not about pointing fingers. It's about being honest in terms of how we as a group can get better. Um, and I'm, you know, a young enough coach and definitely looking to continue to develop and get better all the time. And I can only do that with, with people being honest around it, but it's factual honesty in terms of this group and this playing group as opposed to what's on the outside. And it's the outside noise. I think that filters in that probably causes a lot of frustration Especially for me, it's driven me insane over the last few weeks. Yeah, and look, um, so, it, um, yeah, look. And what I would say too, this this isn't your full time job. You have a full time job, so it's not as if you're protecting anyone here. You can walk away from this too and coach, coach for fun if you like. Um, I thought Nicola Friday was uh, very inspirational in in, and every time I listened to her throughout the Six Nations, she's a credit to the team. And um, in a very difficult circumstance, she made a statement last week. Um, much of what's going on outside our environment continues to be unhelpful. As a playing group, we have everything at our disposal within the high performance unit from resources, facilities and staffing point of view. We're at an early stage of our development. I know many of you understand and appreciate this. Um, so I won't read the full statement, but that, like I thought she was very inspirational and in everything mm. she, the way she conducted herself in the last and tried to lead the team. So look, hopefully you get better and things improve and uh, more more young players start to come through and, and uh, at your disposal. Okay, we'll move on. We've got a URC um, quarterfinal on Saturday. Nice uh, monster travel away to Glasgow at uh, half seven on Saturday night. A tough trip uh, to Scotston. Uh, we know what happened a couple of weeks ago in round 16, March 25th. Um, one of the games that uh, it was a kind of a must-win match given Munster were going to South Africa for the following two games for around 17-18. But Glasgow blew them away. Uh, four tries in the first half were just totally dominant. Um, so there's a little bit of a feeling online again. It can be very... Online can be helpful for you too. I'm not saying it's all bad because um, we, we use it uh, to engage with our, our, our listeners as well. Um but there's a little bit of a feeling online that Munster will be in a better place. They'll have learned from that. What happened in South Africa would have helped them. Possibility some injured players coming back. Um, so there's a bit of optimism. So I put a tweet out yesterday. You can tell us a little bit about the optimism or the fear that uh, the Munster fans have <coughs> that are tonight. Yeah, look, I think lots of them are, are pretty positive, as you said. Keen McGinley says, we need a reaction from the loss versus Glasgow and Limerick. They reacted perfectly in South Africa and we'll leave that level of intensity again on Saturday night. Interesting to see the second row makeup. I'd be tempted to bring Tom Mahern back into the 23 with Slime in to start. John Tuig, a good, a good start for a change. We need to match their physicality unlike when we lost them in Thorns. Our inside defence has been has to be very alert. Glasgow mined the area around the rock with runners running on the reverse angle. If we are the best we can be, we can win by seven plus, plus points. Um, Tom Lundgren, lots of takeaways from us from their win at Thoman Park in March. We have to match their physicality and scrum in breakdown and our line-out is key. They have some injuries and one eye on the Challenge Cup final. Hope we have a few big guys coming back for this. No fear after the South African performances. 
Scarlets, Glasgow Sharks, all poor in one half and better in the other. Away in Glasgow, we need to close to a full, we need close to a full performance across the entire game. Uh, per Johansson, a maximum focus from the first minute. Play tight and make sure to be no more than one score behind at half time. If they manage to do that, they have a good chance to win. Um, another one from Phil. I don't know how to pronounce his uh, Twitter handle, but uh, funnily enough, I think they'll have to bring more than they did in South Africa. Munster, by force of will, can win games, especially against teams not used to them. Glasgow know them inside and out. Forecasts for rain, even allowing for their expansive new game. This might suit Munster. Uh, fast start from Jerry Maloney. Ben Healy to start at 10. Interesting. That's an interesting uh, The Munster boys, sure. mm, I expect a comfortable win. I don't think Glasgow will be able to handle this Kennedy, especially if Snyman makes it back. A comfortable, a comfortable win. Attention. Yeah, five or six players in contention for the World Cup warm-up squad will be looking to impress. And Glasgow will have one eye on the Challenge Cup final. 15 plus. Wow. Um, Owen says, a fast start from minute one. If we can start fast, match the same physicality we brought for the game South Africa in the URC and so that Glasgow mauled scrum, we can win. Uh, Kieran says, uh, I need to, we need to front up with the forwards and not get dominated by the pack. Sounds basic, but that's how they beat us a few weeks ago. Build that platform and let the passing game flow. Should have enough leaders to step up when the big moments come. Just about keeping the defense tight. Um, and and then lots of we've we've had a lot of um yeah, smart answers just to say uh, oh, more I, points in Glasgow. I love I love uh, that one win. from uh, um, yeah, Joe Fitzgibbon. There's always. There's yeah. always one Joe. Thanks a million. Score more yeah. than Glasgow with a a, a wink emoji. Um, that's <laughs> thanks so much for stating the obvious to so Joe but um, yeah, it would it would be helpful obviously um, if you score more than the opposition you win the game um, yeah look that's pretty much it I think Ed Freeman wants to know can we ask Lencer can we sign the likes of Max Egan and Liam Turner on loan till the end of the season uh, alternatively they need to disrupt Glasgow's line out uh, Glasgow's mall destroyed Scarlet's at the weekend so there are some big things for them to, to be to be um to, to focus on for Munster I'm sure yeah so the theme of those tweets and messages back from people is um, you know if Munster and that's what I was saying to you at the start if they you know that were, Munster would be in a better position uh, they didn't capitulate in South Africa like maybe some people thought might happen um, got themselves into the, the knockout stages fifth finished fifth in the league got Europe next year so kind of in bonus territory so I'm sure um, and I and I kind of thought, oh, you're in bonus ter- territory after beating the Stormers because you're going to be in Europe and you're going to be in the knockout stages. But they went out and produced a second half there that was brilliant against the Sharks. Obviously, they had issues in the first half. The issues they've had um, seem to centre around, you know, breakdown, um, scrum and line-out. And they were big issues the last time Glasgow played and beat Munster in Thoman Park on, on the 25th of March. How do Munster uh, make sure that the same doesn't happen again? Will the obviously the personnel? So we think RG Snyman will will be involved. Will play. He'll be a huge boost to Munster. But um, you know, Xander Fagerson is going to play. He caused a lot of problems for Dave Kilcoyne in that scrum. Um, their lineouts. Scott Cummings stole a lot of lineouts. Munster looked 
very slow and pedestrian in that area. Attitude was a problem, you think. Well, maybe attitude was a bit harsh. Maybe it was just um, being fired up and getting the emotional pitch right that we we we, we spoke about at the start of the season. Um, I'm sure they'll be well up for this game, Munster, and, and you know they'll be better, but will Glasgow be better? How do Munster fix the problems that they had the last day? Yeah, look, I think obviously the last day the, the lineup was huge. I think, but when you look at injecting the likes of Omahani back in there in terms of the calling system and and where that space is. How much of a difference does Peter Omahani make in, in not just his general play and leadership, but around uh, in that lineup? So you oh, mentioned massive um, issues yeah, the last time, slow, um, poor calling, um, a target to hit and losing kind of vital lineouts. How much of a difference and what but does also, he bring there? Yeah, look, he he he's incredibly smart. So his ability then to get off the up on the air is, is so good. It's his ability to be able to steal lineouts. He's ridiculously brave. So if there's anything kind of 50-50, anything goes up 50-50 in Peter Manny's channel, you always think it goes straight from a 50-50 probably to like a 70-30. Because he'll just throw himself across. He'll literally just throw himself to try and get that ball. So, um, yeah, look, I think he's, he's, he's huge. He's, it, it's more for me his ability to disrupt the opposition lineout. He is incredibly good at, um, at predicting of where that ball goes. It's obviously the work he does off the pitch during the week. But also, um, his understanding um, of the small little ticks that the opposition have is is amazing. So um, that's huge. Obviously, Orgy coming in, big, huge man, and has the ability then to have that kind of ability that if you can get him up quickly, that you can just lob the ball to him in terms of of, of creating that kind of banker ball. Um, so that's going to be huge. Breakdown is another big thing. I thought the breakdown was... Um, uh, a bit off the last day I thought uh, Glasgow disrupted Munster's ball really really well slowed down the ruck in terms of their ability to play on top and Munster like Glasgow like to play fast so if you can try and disrupt the ball and and to be fair I thought Munster did that really really well in South Africa I thought they were incredibly good at it and it's a lot to do with the tackle so it's a lot to do with the ability to to stop the ball at source and then having the next player in to disrupt it doesn't have to be a turnover all the time you just got to slow it down enough for that fold to get around set and get off the line square. So um, they're probably two big focus areas, I'd imagine. Um, and I think not playing last weekend will have suited Munster. I think coming back from from South Africa and having that week off um, while Glasgow were playing against the Scarlets, I, th- I do think that that would be huge for them. Um, but I think Glasgow saying, like a lot of tweets saying, no, they'll have one eye in the Challenge Cup final. No I think Glasgow, no, I think that they're they're targeting a URC final, definitely. Um, so they're going to be at their best as well, I've no doubt. They, they certainly have a strong squad. So we talk, we think the lineup maybe, but obviously, obviously improving with Peter Manny coming in there. Um, more variety, quicker, speeding it up, um, keeping it away from Cummins and JP Dupree as well. He was He was disruptive as well. Um, I thought some of the line-out issues for Munster against Glasgow were were of their own making. You know, mm. just slow, getting the ball in, accuracy around the lift, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't just, you know, you can't, you don't just blame the hooker. But I thought they lost a couple of vital line-outs in, in attacking positions and Glasgow were disruptive there. So we talk about the breakdown, which is a big issue. Gla- Glasgow's breakdown was superb in the first half. Because if you look at the stats, um, 
they didn't have a lot of territory. Um, Munster had the vast majority of territory in the game. Um, Munster had way more carries. So it was just in that first half, they didn't have to kind of overextend themselves. Three, four phases and, and there was a yeah. try and they got four of them in that first half. So is it a positional thing? Is it a double up tackle? Is it getting a jackler in there quicker to slow Glasgow down? and to stop that flow because they're a very dangerous side if they get that speed of delivery and quick ball. Yeah, hugely. I think though that you would take great confidence from how they defended um, and the breakdown in relation to how they played over in South Africa, I think, over the last two games. I think they're, as I said already, it, it definitely stops. When it, it starts within around that, that, that kind of, that tackle and that ability to chop and the next person gets in over. So we like chop on top, we call it and, it's that ability to be able to stop it at the source. So you're not soaking all the time. And that only happens if you can slow it down enough to be able to fold around, to be able to get off square, to be able to get off the line as quick as you can. Um, and I've been, you know, more connected. I think that's been huge. Um, so the level of physicality that Munster showed, especially against the Sharks, um, I, I thought was really, really good. And I think that if they can bring that again, you know, I felt that the I think that the Sharks are more potent in terms of their their size and their physicality, that power game, uh, than Glasgow are. And Munster dealt with this um, fairly efficiently. And I think that if they can bring that mindset and that understanding of whatever, you know, we spoke about their defensive stuff before they went to, to South Africa in terms of the amount of tries that, that um, have been scored against them. But they seem to kind of, obviously, they obviously concentrated a huge amount of that over in South Africa, knowing that their attack game was, you know, was really, really good and they had the ability to score tries. So if they can still maintain that level of concentration, that level of ability, that level of um, intensity in terms of the, the, the line speed, the physicality around the tackle, the ability to slow the ball down, therefore, you know, they're putting themselves in a really, really good position. But it's also personnel as well. Like Peter Manny leads that hugely. John Hodden has been, ex- or, uh, sorry, Alex Candela was exceptional over in South Africa. Um, Gavin Coombs now is starting to put himself around. We're starting to see a more consistent performance where he's constantly working for the 80 minutes. And then you find about the like, likes of Hodden coming back into that or Jack O'Donoghue. And they're all effective and playing well at the moment. And therefore, you'd like to think that you know, Munster had that ability to to slow things down. Okay, the other issue, scrum. Um, can Munster fix the problems? I think they had issues in, in that first half, in particular against the Sharks as well. And we spoke about the power and the technique and Stephen Archer played the 80 minutes of both those games in South Africa. Um, it's certainly an obvious area that Munster need to get right on Saturday night to have a chance of winning this game or to be in the fight. Um can they fix that? Um, Dermot Barn has done really well at hooker in the last couple of weeks. Niall Scannell has been away and injured. Um, Jeremy Lockman has come back into the squad. So there's a few more options. Roman Salano is, is going to be available again. Um, but I think the key here is, uh, you know, Fraser Brown and Xander Fagerson, very experienced internationals mm-hmm. who can, so it's not just your prop tight head that's causing the problems. I think Fraser Brown is a very strong scrummager as well. Um, and again, it's 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 an area that Munster will have looked at and need to get right on Saturday night, and probably need the first scrum or two two or three scrums to to kind of psychologically 
send out a, a marker that they're they're not going to go backwards this week and not going to give away penalties because discipline is really important as well. Yeah, hugely. But then you put somebody in the likes of, of RG into that second row right behind the tight head and then all of a sudden we've got more power and more strength in there. I think it's no disrespect to Fanine or, or Shag Klein or, or these guys. It's just that he is such a physical specimen that he has the ability to 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 help in that area. And I do think that's going to be big as well. Look, I'm not, I don't know, a huge amount of scrum. I've been shadowing Dennis Fogarty for the last couple of weeks to try and get as much information from him as I could. Who knew that uh, it was it was so technical in terms of angles and everything. And um, and Dennis, to be fair, is absolutely obsessed with scrum. So um, like any proper front rower, that's all he wants to talk about. And, um, you know, I think that we're, if we're giving away to size and we've got to be good technically. And um, I thought what pleased me over the South Africa trip was that even when we were under pressure in scrum time, it was our ability to kind of fix it as we went along. You know, we didn't, you know, we didn't get absolutely smashed every single scrum. I think we we managed to fix it um, at times. And I think if Jeremy's there, Dave Kilcoyne is back fit, hopefully, then that's their two good options at that loose head side. Um, and then if you look at the other side, then you're looking at Archer, uh, Salanoa, these guys. You'd like to think that, you know, Munster with that second row are, are coming back into form in terms of that. So, um, but I, I'm going to leave that one to you. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I think um, just looking back at my notes from a couple of weeks ago, they, they were kind of the negatives. And they're obvious ones that Munster spoke about themselves, the scrum line out and breakdown. Um we, I had physicality down here and attitude and energy. Some of that stuff was a mental thing as well. Maybe yeah. maybe just got caught out, had a bad night at the office, but slow start expecting maybe that things would fall into place. I've been there before, so it's happened. It does happen in sport. I'm sure that won't happen on Saturday night. In fact, that match a couple of weeks ago will help, help Munster a lot as regards um, making sure they're pumped and ready to go right from the word, word go because... It's a tough place to go. The Glasgow crowd will, um, you know, be really behind their team. And this is knockout rugby. There's no second chance after this. This could be the last game for for either side in in the URC. So there's a lot at stake. Um, we're hopeful that Munster can, uh, you know, get some of those issues right. No team will get it perfect every time, but um, I think what we saw stuff in South Africa that would make give you that hope. A lot of the treaters there talking about. Um, you know, bringing that kind of a level of performance over 80 minutes. You're not going to get the same power of physicality and aggression and physical power that they got in the two South African games. So does it even it out a little bit if Munster can play better themselves and fix those issues? I think so. It gives them a better chance. But certainly uh, Glasgow will know what's coming here and they'll they'll have seen a lot of this stuff um, and they'll know Munster will be better. So it'll be intriguing. Uh, you look at Glasgow last week in the in the Challenge Cup. Um, they beat beat the Scarlets, scored five tries, um, got themselves into a, a Challenge Cup final. So uh, they're full of full of uh, confidence and self belief in the way they're playing. Very strong squad. Um, four missed tackles. I think I wrote the stats down here. Did four missed tackles in that game last week, uh, which is an unbelievably low stat. Um, and they, you know, they blew Scarlets away in that second half. I think Scarlets were very competitive for a long time, and they were leading at halftime. But uh, that second half performance from from Glasgow was very, very impressive. Um, five tries to one, 
25 defenders beaten to four. Clean breaks, five to one. Offloads, 11. Um, missed tackles. Scarlet's at 25 missed tackles. Glasgow at four. Uh, and both sides won turn, 13 turnovers each. So there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, kamikaze rugby going on, but Glasgow are a very strong side. They had some injuries. I just want to talk about one or two of their players because they're significant players. We speak about O'Mahony and Snayman, um, who were very important players for Munster. Gavin Coombs, when they play well, Munster seem to go well. Um, they have some big players. Sione Tupelotu in the centre. He played 13 last week. Stafford McDowell played 12. He's a very, very strong player. He scored against Munster the last day and he scored this week, uh, last week as well. Uh, six foot four, 103 or four kilos. He's a big player, really good player, Stafford McDowell. But Tupelotu, he's been brilliant for Scotland. Such a good player. He is a big threat just in that back line for them. Um, I mean, uh, Do you think Hugh Jones is due back? Yeah, he got a head knock uh, the week he, before. He hasn't played last Connacht. week. He he hasn't. Um, he is one of my favourite centres in uh, Northern Hemisphere. I think he's he's brilliant, and I think that is that is a a very very potent if he plays a very very potent centre partnership, and uh, we need Fektoa and Frisch to be at their absolute pinnacle best to be able to. Um, to hold them in because I just think that they're they're really really good. Um, yeah, I and if if, if you if you straight if, the line. if you Jones so, comes back, Tupelot will probably go to twelve. Twelve, um, yeah. That's the Scottish centres that you're playing against. Yeah. Um So it's a it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging one. Just up front, uh, Jamie Batty played last week. George Turner, the Scottish hooker, started. Xander Fagerson started. Scott Cummins, JP Dupree. Rory Darge, Sione Vailanu, who was man of the match in that game in Limerick. Um, he was outstanding. And um, the other back row was the number eight. Uh, Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey, sorry. Who Jack Dempsey. Us, yeah. yeah, he He's played lead number eight last week and Matt Fagerson was on the bench. So um, a lot of good players, a lot of Scottish internationals there. Ali Price was on the bench. Ryan Wilson, Simon Bergen. They have a very good squad. Where mm. do where do the main threats come from? Them is it that centre partnership? Um, if you just look at the back row of Darge, Vailanu, Jack Dempsey, or Matt Fagerson against Munster's back row, which will probably be um, Peter O'Mahony, Clooms, yeah. um, maybe Hodnett will come back or or, or Alex Candellan. That's a really key area as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, hugely. I think. I think there's a couple of things here around relation to this Glasgow team. I think that their second row partnership is, is very strong. So their mall um and line out is, is very good. Their like their their set piece gives them a huge platform to be able to attack off. So Munster really have to get after that. Their back row around the park are really, really good. It's their like Bailanu's ability to teach unbelievable athlete. Um his ability to to beat defenders and, and offload is, is so good. And yeah, of course, it's their centre partnership for me that I spoke about already. I think that they are so strong. I think it's that ability to be able to break the line and offload. It's the ability to be able to, like Tulu Palato is is very good defensively. Hugh Jones is is, is good enough too. But it's their in attack for me. Um, 
it's it's their lines of running. It's their ability to be to be able to launch offset piece is 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 very good. Um, interesting though, they tend to go for a six-two split on the bench, um, and that could be um good for Munster in terms of you know I think that Munster's ability to be able to finish games is really really strong. You know we talked about Ben Healy coming off the bench over the last couple of games, and and I'd imagine I probably will say the same. But it's that ability then to be able to to punish teams um, in terms of of finishing strong, and I think that um, once you know Glasgow going, that's I'd be interested to see if Glasgow go back to that six two split this weekend. They've done it for the last few weeks. Yeah, they um, did it last week as well. I don't think anyone's yeah. going to go. Uh, everyone's frightened about the six two split now after what happened to Toulouse last weekend, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving their the best player in the world out, out to out half and taking him out of the game, but. Um, yeah, they do. And they went 6-2 split last week. I think they may go the same again. And they may... This this is going to be a bit of a dogfight. I think it's going to be very physical. And I think they realise Munster are going to be a lot more physical here. So uh, we've covered off a lot of their players. Who will play 10 is the question. Domingo Miotti, the Argentinian international, played their, um, the game in, in Limerick a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Tom Jordan started. Duncan Weir came off the bench. Miotti must have been injured last week because he wasn't involved. He wasn't in their squad, but he was brilliant in Thoman Park. So they're very, very dangerous, dangerous squad. Um, for Munster, let's look at the Munster squad uh, team. So there's a chance uh, that maybe um, a number of players might come back, which would be a timely boost. Uh, Dave Kilcoyne, uh is possibly available. We haven't heard this officially yet. I haven't even spoken to anyone, but I think from the last few weeks, what we were hearing is Dave Kilcoyne was close enough to that second game in the Sharks, so he could be back. Uh, Roman Salanoa, Niall Scannell, John Hodnett, uh, Tom Ahern, and Ty Byrne. I heard little whispers. I said that last week. Um, now would be a big ask. He hasn't played in, in since the Six Nations. But potentially this could be Munster's last game of the season and if you could sneak a Tigburn onto the bench it'd be really significant wouldn't it if he was available and if he was 100%. ready to go this isn't about match fitness for Tigburn this is if he's if the injury's healed up and he doesn't have any issues with that and he's back training fully um, I'd be sticking him straight onto that bench to have have him come off off the bench at some stage because what a player he is yeah, I hadn't heard that. That's if that's the case, that have been. Yeah, I don't know now. It's, it's finally, just I, um, I just heard that yeah. he was back training, um, and that he was a possibility. So I don't know. Um, yeah. Again, look, his match fitness was wouldn't be would be gone back a little bit, but he's such a good rugby player. To if you could, I think what'll be significant this week, Nave, is what I'm trying to get to is the impact off the monster bench. Um. That's going to be really important here. That if they can go out and get fellas, some players to play fifty minutes empty the tank, be really aggressive and then have if you've you know players coming off the bench with that kind of experience and explosiveness um, I think it could be a really a massive boost for Munster. Yeah, hugely. Look, we speak a lot about certain positions and the lack of strength and depth that we feel that there's there but then you come to other positions and we have an tenfold like you know, if Tyke Brown comes onto that bench, it's more than likely going to be somebody like uh, Kandelin if Hodman starts or, you know, uh, Jack O'Donoghue or Tom O'Hearn or Benin Witcherly if they go with Shank Klein. And, you know, they can't fit them all in. And, like, what an incredible place to be in in terms of, of that. And then we look at, 
the nine situation, the ten situation, and and um, and that back, you know. So I I do think that Munster, you know, we've been crying out for a strength and depth for a long time. We have it in abundance in certain positions, just not in others, which is something that they're obviously trying to work on. But um, that could be hugely important. And we speak about you know Glasgow's six-two split and that ability to, to bring on power. We've got to match that. We've got to match that in terms of they want to continue to keep that pace. So therefore. They use that extra forwards to to bring that that energy, I suppose, around the park for the last 15, 20 minutes. And if you're bringing on someone like Ty Byrne or um, even Tom O'Hearn, I think that'll be huge, huge for And I think Dave Kilcoyne, Salano, these guys, if you had like yeah. those four possibly coming off the bench, that explosives, Nile Scandal, um, it makes a huge difference. I think it brings on, you know, brings a real confidence to the side but who knows no matter who plays I think it's going to take a real big big effort because this is a very good Glasgow squad and I wouldn't like um, I'm I'm kind of nervous about this because I think we're, we're a lot of us are kind of falling into this monster going to be better and, and there's a, a lot of confidence there which makes me a little bit sceptical I'm the half glass empty <laughs> and remember um, so I'm nervous about this but I do think monster are better equipped to go there um, Look, it's going to be an incredible challenge. That's what you want. I think when you get to knockout stages, you know, you, it's cup final every week and you've got to expect that you've got to turn up and be the best that you can be in order for you to be able to have a chance to win, knowing that you're playing against the best teams in the competition so everybody else is going to be better. So um, this is it. Like This is as a player, you relish this, you want this. This is like, this is, you know... This got to be more than a URC week. It's got to be almost the intensity levels of of Test rugby or European rugby because that's what those playoff games mean. And um, so Munster have to be mentally ready to go in terms of understanding what's at stake here. You know, and and one of the tweeters, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but you know, saying that there's going to be you know members of that Munster group in that World Cup squad. Well. You know, if they come get knocked out this weekend, then you're looking at like it's June, the end of June. I'm pretty sure is when they when they meet up again. So that's you know a long time without you know competitive rugby, a long time without competitive um, comp- training in terms of like you could train all you want, but it's the matches that blow your lungs out. It's getting up off the floor, it's the tackling, it's the getting and, off the line. And it's it's and, a good point that if Munster finish strong and and progress, um, it will help. You could some get a couple more in the- there. 100%. On the fringes, um, yeah. Munster have conceded the least amount of tries in the competition, and that's that's given just the fact... about to absolutely uh, jinx us now. With that. No, I'm not going to jinx you, but when you think Scarlets, Glasgow, and Sharks, and other Sharks was in the <laughs> Champions Cup, we conceded a lot of tries in those three weeks. They're going to have to be strong defensively. Finally, yeah. two questions: Who starts for Munster at out half, and will Munster win this game? Uh, it's I'd stick with Jack Crowley, I think. Um and it's it's actually not anything to do with how well Ben Healy's playing. It's it's kind of a product of his downfall in terms of he gives us something so special off the bench. I don't think Jack Crowley or Joey Carberry has given us or can give us. He has this ability to be able to I'd imagine I don't really know much about him but in terms of, but I wonder, does he sit and watch games and start to see where the space is so that when he comes on, he knows exactly where it's where the opposition's weaknesses are. Because he has that ability to come on and find space, whether it's through kicking or that 
you know, brilliant flat bridge pass or, you know, is it putting people through holes? He has that ability. And I think that, you know, if you're looking to either A, close out a game or B, look for something special, then Ben Healy has that. Um, you know, we were playing in, uh, in Murrayfield the other day. So we were playing in, in um, David State and it's you're, you're getting changed in the main dressing room and they have a role of honour pillar. And on it was uh, Cap 1138 and Ben Healy uh, and the date. So I took a picture and I sent it to him. Um, and I was like, it's actually pretty cool to be able to see that. And I, I think he has so much to offer. I'm, I'm gutted that he's going. And I know that's a conversation we can have another day. Oh, you, but said, I do you, think, said that, you said that from the start. You said that from yeah, the start. Yeah, um, but I do think, though, that he, him coming off the bench gives us a huge amount. Okay. Um, and uh, so I would, and I, can they win? Yeah. They can. Of course, of course they, can. they can win. Will, will they win? Yes. I know I won't. Yeah, uh, they will. I, I, I really believe they're, they're in a good win. space. I'd be very surprised if if it was another case of what happened in Dublin Park. I think that they've grown a huge amount in that trip in South Africa. You can see it all over. You know, they, t- they seem to have a really good... Like Those those trips can be brilliant if you're winning, of course, but also brilliant for group You know, cohesion, getting to know people better, understanding each other, and, um, and they look like they did that. So... Um, yeah, I do think that they're in a very good space right now. Having last week off, getting back from South Africa and ramping up training this week will, will put them in a really good place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. you still got to be uh, careful, though. Um, they're a very dangerous side, Everybody as I said. And, uh, yeah, and it's the player in me that just... And I know Munster... I, I know, I know what you're saying. I think, psycho- I, I think psychologically they will, they will expect that Glasgow will expect them to be better, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I think they're they're definitely in a better place. What they did in South yeah. Africa, I think, would have unified the team even more and and um, really built the resilience a bit. So, look, one way or another, we're back next week. We'll have a podcast. Hopefully, it'll be looking forward to a semi-final review and a win and looking forward to possibly a semi-final yeah. away just, against just... our biggest rivals, Leinster, who were outstanding at the weekend, to be fair, and La Rochelle on the other side. Oh, incredible. That, that kind of dream. It's going to be incredible. Cup final. Um, Come here, quick, quick, before we go, I've got to mention uh, Ro Prendergast's appointment as uh, Canada oh, manager yes, yeah. pathway. Uh, brilliant appointment, to be fair. Someone who's uh, sucked away in the AIL game for a very long time. Um, I think it's 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 brilliant for him. Um, and he's a very smart guy. He knows a lot of the young players coming through. So, um yeah, definitely a, a, a good appointment. I'm yeah, sure you're we, delighted. We, we had we had Giroud on at the start of the year talking about the club yeah, game. So we'll get him on now. He's moved into full-time role now with Munster as the academy manager. So well done to Giroud. Okay, that's it for episode 69. Best of luck to Munster this week. Have you Are you back in the club game this week or have you weekend back, off? No, back in the club game. Our final game, our seconds are playing uh, Kerry in the Munster final on Sunday. So back to... Back to yeah. Back into club season. A so. little, a little bit less stressful for you this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, enjoy, enjoy your week, and um, that's it for episode sixty nine. And we'll, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, Neve.